Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 20 of the Crushing It in Construction podcast. My name's Jordan Skinner. I'm your host, and this week I am chatting to Scott Clements from Inertia. Now, in this episode, Scott and I talk about how companies can more effectively communicate their value. This is a really important topic because the companies that do a really great job of communicating their value and fully understand the value that they can bring to any given project give themselves a massive competitive advantage. It allows them to build better relationships, build more trust, and most importantly, it allows them to be positioned as a trusted advisor and in some cases affords them the luxury of commanding higher fees. Now, we all know that margins in the construction industry are extremely tight, so if there is a way that we can avoid the race to the bottom on price, we should definitely give it a go. There's a lot of great information in this episode, and Scott is open and honest enough to share some of the ways they are tackling this subject within their company. Um, so let's get into the show. G'day, Scott. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, for those that don't know you, could you just tell us who you are and what it is you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, Jordan. So I'm a managing director of an engineering business inertia uh, that does civil structural and flood engineering we have about uh, 70 people up here in brisbane uh, brisbane only at this stage but looking to expand further yeah and so we just focus in on providing consultancy services to mostly um, private and and public development projects yeah cool so tell us a little bit more about inertia when did the business start and how have you got to where you are now yeah, so I, I talk about it as starting about 10 years ago in, in 2011, um, but in, in reality, it started actually in 2015, uh, just under a different name, when my business partner started as as more or less a sole trading business back then. Um, and I joined him in 2008, and we just sort of sort of crept along at, at that time doing some, some fairly small stuff. Uh, I had a young family or, or a new family at the time, so wasn't trying to push too hard. And then, yeah, I thought 2011 is when we changed names to Inertia and, and decided to be a real business. Got a got a website and got our own own, own office and all that sort of stuff. So I, I take it as well, 10, 11 years old now. So how many people are you at, at the minute? It's around 70, give or take. Um, we've we've gone through a pretty big growth period over the last two years. So. Um, this time two years ago, it would have been less than 40, uh, probably about 35. So, um, with the changes and again, this year we've, we've put on quite a few people, so I can't quite keep up exactly, but it's, it's around that, that size. Yeah. I, I can imagine that your head spinning with that kind of growth in that short period of time. But, um, how, how did you get into the industry? Did you have family in the industry or is this just something that you got into off your own back? Yeah, it's funny. Um, not really having family in the industry. It was something that uh, I remember back in primary school. I I was always good at good at maths and science, and my my dad just said you should be an engineer. And I think it just stuck in my head. And you know, not knowing as you, as you do going through school and uni, you don't really know. Well, through school in particular, you don't really know how things are going to be. So I went, oh, well, that's as good as any to to do at university and, and give it a try. Well, so hopefully you enjoy it though, right? Yeah, I, I, you know, like anything that there's not all parts of it that I enjoy. Um, I'm I'm not the most uh, detailed of engineers. Most engineers that go into engineering it's because they really love the detail and and that side. But I, I probably a little bit bigger picture in in my problem solving skills and and also I guess what I really enjoy is is the leadership and and management side of things. I always find it interesting what 
what was it that made you decide that starting a business was a good idea? You got to you got to be a glutton for punishment to some <laughs> t- some extent if you if you want to start your own business. So what was it for you? Yeah, it's it's funny you say that. I um, recently talking to someone about being driven, um, and I don't see myself as being driven. I just see myself as wanting to do things. Uh, and it was just this thing. I was probably always going to want the independence and the freedom of of running my own business. It always felt like I was leaning that way. And uh, so I think it was going to happen at some point or another. And and yeah, when the opportunity uh, presented, I, I took it, yeah. So that entrepreneurial kind of spirit, is that something you did? You, was your family, anybody in your family that way inclined? Yeah, definitely. Um, particularly on my father's side, certainly he is, he's run a number of businesses. So is one of his brothers as well. So yeah, that seems to to run in the blood of you know liking liking to look forward, um, having visions, uh, and and probably a little bit of risk taking at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it must have rubbed off. So again, another curiosity question for me is uh, I'm always interested to hear about a, a, a company's first client. How did you how did you get that first client, and how did that um, first project go? Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't there at the very start, so I guess I would say at the first client. But it was interesting that. So I'd previously done six years in engineering for another consultant, uh, for another business when I first came out of university. And then I went overseas to do the same thing for, th- for three years. And then I, I actually came back to Australia after coming back. I was in the UK. I came back and and decided that I didn't want to be an engineer any, anymore for a while and did a lot more in the in the, in the in the game still, in the construction game, but around marketing, uh, finance and construction. GFC hit that that um, that fell in a bit of a heap, and and I decided to. I thought, you know, I was just about to get married, so I thought I better get a real job again. <laughs> and yeah, this opportunity with my current business partner, who's a friend as well, um, came up. That doesn't answer the question around uh, at the first client, but I think, I guess, because I'd done so much work um, six years here in Brisbane in the industry already, uh, I knew quite a few people, and you know, when they knew that we were. We were doing stuff together. They, they just, we probably reached out to us more than us reaching out to them in, in that sense and, and knew what they were going to get. Yeah, fair enough. When I was chatting during the pre-interview and one of the things that really pricked my ears up was um, you were speaking about value and you said that you don't necessarily feel like consultants and engineers do the best job of, of showing their value. Could you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah. So, I mean, the industry... Some parts of the industry really value good consultant engineers and, and some don't, not parts of the industry, but certain people within it as well. Um, and I'm like a lot of that's driven by engineers themselves not understanding the value that they can bring. And I think very basically, and this is obviously almost stereotyping, that most, a lot of engineers, they're taught at university to be technical and, and solve technical problems, but they focus so much on solving the problem right in front of them that they they sometimes forget how that aligns to to the greater project or the greater issue at hand or the fact that they might not even have to solve that problem if they understood it a bit more so um yeah it's just a misalignment between sometimes between what they're doing and what what they think is best to achieve and what is actually best for the client or the project and therefore they can't explain that they can't bridge the gap to provide or explain the value that they might be giving. Um, 
And then the second part of it just comes down to communication. You know, we get uh, in this problem solving mode. Most engineers became engineers because they love solving problems, right? But they get so excited by solving the problem, they forget to tell everyone how hard it was to, to solve it. Um, so then it means that people just think you're all the same. Because essentially what you're talking about here is, is marketing, right? Yeah. It, yeah, I guess so. It is, it is marketing. It's communication. Um, I mean, the example I use is you compare consultant engineers to, uh, say, lawyers or doctors or dentists. So, you know, I, I go to the doctor because I've normally, because I've got a problem and I know very clearly what my outcome I want to be and I will pay for that outcome because I'm in pain or sick or whatever. A lawyer could be the same thing if I've got a problem in, in a different sense and I, I very understand that. And they're good at really holding holding their value because it's also easy for them because it's really personal. Um, with engineering, because it's so technical and somewhat hidden behind builders or architects as, as secondary consultants sometimes, it's hard to articulate what it is that you do. And I think that the bridge there is how to drag what your service is closer to what your client understands. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but... Yeah, I think I get what you mean. You want your services to be positioned as closely as possible to the end result, whether that be their bottom line, if it's a developer, whether it's you know, uh, you know, know, a timeline, if, if things get to market quicker, you want your services to be as positioned as closely as possible to that end goal. Exactly. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's really three key drivers for any anyone in, in anything um, particularly a project though it's time cost and call it stress or comfort or ease you know so you know how can you explain what you do impacts on positively on time or cost or just the stress of carrying something out and like you said a lot of people that are in whether it's directly in construction whether it's civil construction whether it's what you guys do People are often very, very good at that. They're not necessarily marketers or wordsmiths or really know how to get that message across. So it, it can be difficult. Yeah. I mean, the first step is understanding what what you should be saying. And I think that that's, the, that's a, in fact, what probably catches up a lot of people is actually understanding where the value lies, which means you've got to understand what your client cares about. And sometimes you've got to understand more about even what the project wants because sometimes the client doesn't fully know what the, what's the best outcome as well. So if you, don't, if you don't ask a lot of questions up front or put yourself in their shoes or even ideally um, do some work on the other side of the fence, um, it's very hard to connect what you're doing to, to the value and, and therefore to their outcomes. Yeah, so, so how have you dealt with this? What have you guys done at Inertia to try and demonstrate that value more? Yeah, so I, I guess, um, and look, this is definitely a work in progress for us. We are, we are, this is a discussion that we have a fair bit and, and some people here are used to doing that a lot more than, than others. But um, the first thing is education around what, what people care about and what our clients care about. Um, now, I've been lucky enough to sit on the other side of the fence in development, in finance, in, in construction as well. So I've got a pretty unique insight into that. But yeah, educating people about, well, you know, what you think is important may not be as important as you think it is, that, that sort of thing. Um, and, and just getting people to be more inquisitive around uh, the key drivers of a project up front, really understand what matters to make this thing a success. Um, 
In fact, our purpose statement is our passion, your success. So how can we align what we love doing, which is the problem-solving side of things, right, and seeing great outcomes, to our clients and our clients' project success? And you can't do that unless you actually understand what that is. So asking a lot of questions and being inquisitive and really trying to get into it. So have you developed specific, say, materials or anything like that that really helps you walk prospects or walk potential customers through an education sequence of some kind to, you know, like, is there anything formal that you've put in place? No, not specifically. Probably something that we do more informally from a mentoring perspective for for some of the younger engineers, but uh, it's an excellent, excellent idea. And I think we should start to um, document some of that. you know, it, it can be a little bit difficult because it's every every single project and client is different. But yeah, good idea. It was one of those things too. Like it comes back to your point before. You know, everybody's good at their job that's in this industry. But in my experience, everybody mostly, for the most part, not everybody in this industry are quite humble too. So they don't really want to blow their bags. And some people really see marketing. You know, I'm sort of using marketing and showing value interchangeably, but mm. they see that as blowing their bags, which they don't want to do. So why, why do you think people should get better at showing their value? Look, I think that the more you show it, the more you get as an opportunity to give it to. So I'll explain that a bit more. So, all right, if I can align what I do and show the value of it, generally I'll, one thing, I'll probably get paid more for it, which is a good start. Um, potentially I'll have more time to give that value and therefore I've got more time to explore how to even get better all the time. And that I think that's what is at the heart of a lot of good engineers is, is really how do we get better in our problem solving and how can we find a better solution and what what we're fighting with in this industry and not just engineers this is the whole industry is time right time is always as you know is so tight most of the time that you can't you don't have time to explore those things but if we can align our service and and then show people how the value we give then then we'll we'll get back the time and and space that people want to be because ultimately and i've got another saying um i think ultimately engineering is a is an art first and a science second so it's an art around how you approach a problem and think outside the box and think creatively if you can and obviously that's based on understanding the drivers first but uh and then you use the science to back it up i think one of the most important things when it comes to trying to highlight the value, especially in this industry, is how can you not guarantee, but show that your methodology, your process, your, you know, the, the way that you do things, how, how can you show that that reduces risk for the client? To me, that's a pretty impactful thing, but it's not done that well. Yeah, that, but that's interesting in itself because some clients, you know, do really care about that. Some clients don't. So mm-hmm. you have to first understand what they care about. You know, sometimes... I feel sometimes engineers are designing for themselves in that they're, they're designing all the all risk out to being conservative because they, they're worried about something. Um, okay. Not always the client to do it, but to answer your question, the ones that are concerned about the risk side of things, obviously there's the standard answers about quality systems and ISO accreditations and, and having peer reviews internally and things like that. I think that the for us... We, we call our quality system, instead of quality, we call it flow. So the meaning behind that is when you get 
your structure and procedures and system right, the project flows. And that that's okay. ultimately can be a risk for a client, either if, it, if, if your product isn't good in the end because there's something wrong or even if the process doesn't work well. So to me, the, the most important part of a project is the, is the start, is understanding all the drivers of it and then setting it up and, and looking at it from all angles first to work out what are the key areas that we need to focus on to reduce the risk and help the flow of the project. So obviously the, the education that you guys have put in place and demonstrating the value, it hasn't always been this way. What, what have you seen change in the way you communicate with clients, how they communicate with you, how projects are approached since you've implemented this sort of, you know, trying to demonstrate your value and communicate that more? Yeah, I think what it does is it pushes us to align with the clients that care about it, that listen to it, that understand it. Um, because it's a, obviously it's a two-way relationship. You, you, there is some that you, you just generally cannot get to that point on. So it, it's allowed us to have um, probably better relationships, stronger trust between not just the client and ourselves, but the whole consultant team. And that when we do something or we recommend something, it's worth exploring um, and vice versa as well. Clearly, it, there, there is a positive input from increasing fees at times as well and also you know we've got clients that we don't have to bid on projects for so they just come to us and say look what you know what's your advice and and often that advice we might be the first person and that's our goal how can we get to a point where we are one of the first people that our clients speak to because that's when we can make the most impact too Let's touch on that pricing thing for a second. So we all know that this industry is very price sensitive. Everybody wants to get three prices and play one off the uh, off against the other. So you you mentioned there that demonstrating that value allows you to m- maybe charge a little bit more than you otherwise would. Yeah, yeah, for sure, with without a doubt. And we're confident in in the projects that we're good at. We're confident to be able to add the value, so therefore charge for it, and then explain why. And it's part of the goal. Obviously, it's not all of the goal, but. Um, you know that there's definitely and we're not you know within reason but we are talking we might be 15 20 percent sometimes it could be higher you know? but just because you're positioned as an authority and a trusted advisor basically you've, you've really gained that trust to shown your your value and that that's put you in a position to be able to do that exactly yeah yeah a builder i used to work with used to used to have a saying he said would you rather pay your consultant 10 percent more or pay 10 percent more in construction but he said, if I get a good consultant and I spend 10% more of them, there's a good chance they'll save us in the long run anyway. So how can a company, in your opinion, tell if they're not doing a good job of communicating their value? What are the signs they'll be seeing? Uh, well, the, it's a race to the bottom a lot of the time. It'll be you know everything. They'll be doing a lot of quotes. They'll only win the ones that are um, the lowest price, basically. And also, I think the other point is when you win that, even if you do win that job and still can't explain the value, as soon as there's something goes wrong, anything little that you've done wrong in that project, then then you get the blame as well. So there's the other side to it. When, you, when you're actually able to create and explain value, it's a positive relationship to start with and you build the trust so that, okay, if there is something that doesn't go according to plan, you have a conversation. Everyone has the conversation and works out how to solve it rather than a whole bunch of finger pointing. There's two different dynamics in there. If you if you're if you've won a job purely and simply based on the lowest price, you, you're perceived as an order taker. 
in the eyes of that client. Whereas if you're somebody that's not the cheapest price and you're perceived as somebody that is a trusted advisor, somebody that knows what they're doing, somebody with expertise that they don't have or insight that they don't have, it's more of a, a working relationship, isn't it? Exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's a partnership. I think everybody wants to avoid that order taker position because at the end of the day, you know, you're being hired for your expertise and you don't want to be just driven to the bottom on price and then treated like, you know, a lackey. Um, exactly throughout yeah. the whole job yep. so i think that's one of the the biggest takeaways i can see from why companies should be looking into how to, how to demonstrate that value and really get that across but when companies are, are looking to do this what should they avoid is there anything that you've maybe done wrong that you, you thought oh crap that didn't work that well <laughs> um well i think you touched on it a little bit talking about how good you are it's not it's not about being you know, God, I'm, I'm wonderful. I solved all this for you. It's pointing out where the opportunities are and, and people will come to their own conclusion as to how that got there. It's, it, you just definitely need to communicate. So definitely don't sit in front of your desk and just work on a project and just send it out and don't talk to someone or just email them. Um, yeah, you, you have to be a face. You have to have discussions um, around the project and the drivers and everything like that. I think people envision Donald Trump was always telling everybody how good he is. <laughs> I think oh. that's what they that's what they perceive when they imagine somebody standing there, you know, blowing their bags. But just with something as simple like like testimonials, you don't have to stand there saying how you did everything. Mm -hmm. Put it through the eyes of the customer. You know, people buy stories, people buy people. So yeah. it can be done tastefully. And if it's done through the eyes of the customer and from the customer, it's even more powerful. Without a doubt, definitely the most effective way is to is to have that um almost uh, peer support or, or uh, a peer pushing you forward yeah yeah the biggest thing is to be proactive and actually do it you know what i mean like that's yeah. that's the hardest part of any of it if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking right you know i've got to make a change maybe i'm every every quote i'm doing it's all about how low can i get on price what's the first thing that they should be doing if they want to start communicating value and trying to position themselves as more of an authority look i, I would say ask a lot of questions I find that, and this is this is generally life. Talk less, ask more. Understand the other person and the requirements first. Um, be inquisitive. So you really have to understand um, what is driving success, value, to be able to deliver it. You just can't do it without it. And if you want to go to the next level, go and do some work on their side or do some learning on their side of the fence. Whether it's a developer or a builder or an architect, you know, and then you'll understand them better. Yeah. This has been good fun. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you think the audience would really benefit from? No, I think that, um, you know, I, I maybe just touch on that. You, you did say on the quote side of things, you know, that I, I guess, and look, we're not perfect at this without a doubt. I think that my first thing would be don't send a quote. <laughs> go, and, go and have a conversation first. Don't send a quote without understanding what you're trying to do because it's just a line on a paper then. It's just a number. You know, and half the time the clients just skip to the number and that's all they compare. And um, without having that relationship first and the time that someone puts into understanding it, they haven't got anything else to choose from. Yeah. It's amazing how a small conversation about pointing out a couple of things will make a big difference. It's funny, like just having some systems around that. If you get somebody that comes to you wanting a quote, you go to site, you give them the quote. There's so much more that you could be doing in between going to site and giving them that quote that'll build relationships and will build trust. If you've got some great 
video case stories of other clients that you've worked with. You get back to the office, you send them to them before you give them that quote. All of those touch points are building huge amounts of credibility, trust, all of trust, that kind of stuff yeah. to put you in a position to be favoured over the bloke that just went there, yep. gave him the price. In and that's right. And, and, and what does that take? You know, an hour, two hours, it can be. It can be as simple as that. And if you're putting a, a decent value or even a lower value quote in, the, the, your, your chances of winning it go from 30% to 80% pretty quickly if you do the right thing. Exactly. And it's just, it's just having the, I don't know whether initiative is the right word, but just you just got to develop those materials. Two or three pieces of, uh, of content or material that could essentially help your close rate you know, even if it was 10 or 15%, that's still going to help the bottom line at the end of the day. Yeah, that's right. And do a bit of research about who you're sending that quote to. It's amazing how um, you can just be interested in them and what they care about and talk about that and how much, even if it's outside of a project, how much that generates trust. Yeah, yeah. Is there a weird or interesting fact about yourself that most people don't know? We always like to finish these shows off on a bit of a weird and wonderful <laughs> note. <laughs> No, probably. I mean, I did touch on. There's probably some weird stuff that maybe I sh maybe I won't share. But it's um, <laughs> it's, it's a PG show. <laughs> no, that's a, no. It's probably that's probably the the thing that I have gone into uh, many other things in engineering and in you know finance brokering and understanding that side of things and like I said, marketing and construction. You're training for a triathlon though, right? Yeah, I've I've been doing triathlons as well. Yeah, yeah it's so. funny. I think probably four out of there's be four or five people that I've interviewed that are like massively into triathlons and biking and cycling. I think uh, it takes a special kind of person to put themselves through that much of a beating. Yeah, that's through anything. It's um, start small and build up to it. And a year later, you're thinking, wow, I never thought I could do this. And you're there. And everyone's thinking of you like you're superhuman, but you're just you still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this has been great fun. Where can people connect with you, learn a bit more about Inertia and just generally, you know, get in touch if they want to learn more about what you guys are up to? Yeah, well, on LinkedIn, just search for Scott Clements Inertia on LinkedIn. We have a website, www.inertiaeng.com.au or yeah, give us a call. Awesome. Well, thanks very much for your time. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Jordan. You've been listening to the Crushing It in Construction podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player, and it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave us a five-star review. If you'd like to learn more about employer branding and recruitment marketing strategy, feel free to visit our website at moonshotmedia.com.au or reach out to me directly at jaskinner at moonshotmedia.com.au. Thanks again for listening and I'll speak to you in the next episode of Crushing It in Construction.